Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Speak today to Joe Lowry. He's a lithium market commentator, quite a controversial one. He's got some extreme views on the state of the lithium market and some of the players in it. And if you want to hear our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, you can get those at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find company reports, uh, commentary from other market experts from around the world. There's also training videos on there, summaries of other interviews that we've done. Of course, there's a big thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment. If you go now, this is a seven-day free trial. Joe, how are you doing, sir? Fine. Thanks for having me on. A pleasure. We, uh, people got quite excited that you're coming on, actually. You've got quite the, the uh, fan base. Well, my mother and <laughs> my cousins. <laughs> right, right. And we were talking just before you came on and we said you, you, you're desperately striving to uh, catch up with your daughter, who's got a huge following, but she's an author, published author. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That's, a tough and that's probably not going to happen. I, I don't have enough r- runway left <laughs> to catch her. So, Okay, Erin Lowry, writer of Broke, Broke Millennials. Millennials. Right, okay. I'm just I'm promoting her. Did you see what just happened? It was pitch. <laughs> I do it all the time. Good man. Good father. Good father. Hey, well, Joe, like, thanks for coming on. So um, you're the lithium guy, sometimes referred to as the uh, sheriff, the lithium sheriff, I'm hearing. Um, and you're going to tell us all about your journey into the world of lithium and what you're up to now. So uh, thanks for joining us uh, on our humble little show. We're, we're trying to learn about the world of lithium. It seems very unloved at the moment, uh, up until the last few weeks, it seems. Yeah, it's lithium goes in and out of favor. It's pretty, pretty obvious. And uh, I just keep plugging along. So I, I don't pay much attention to the to the haters. I just uh, do what I do. It's, it's tough out there. I mean, if you've got an opinion, you, you're going to people that like it and people that, you know, don't like it so much. And uh, it's, just, it's a tough uh, to kind of put yourself out there constantly, especially when something, you know, battery metals, lithium, it, it's difficult. Well, if you, if you go back to 2016 when lithium spiked and I was probably talking to two hedge funds a week and everybody, you know, just had to talk and, it, it's a complicated, tiny space. I mean, the, the, the market for lithium chemicals didn't reach a billion dollars till 2015. Think about that. I mean, it's not, it's a global industry. You can't make the statin anti-cholesterols without lithium chemicals. You can't make post-it notes without lithium chemicals, and you can't make a lithium ion battery without lithium, no matter what Elon would tell you about what it ought to be called. It's, I mean, what you say, that's kind of interesting. We're, by the way, just for people watching this, we're going to kind of bounce around a bunch of topics because we're kind of getting to know each other. We've not spoken or met before. Um, your reputation precedes you, of course. Um, so we're going to bounce around a few different topics here. But that's quite interesting. Straight off the bat, it's a small industry. So wh- why, why did you get into it? You know, it's an interesting thing. I uh, went to work for an oil company uh, in Oklahoma City and then Houston after graduate school. And I, at that time, it was the 80s, I never planned on leaving because I loved it. But there was some breakup artists out there about the time. And I worked for one of the oil companies that was broken up. So in the, as, as the headhunters are wont to do, they start circling and start saying, well, why don't you consider this or that? So FMC 
corporation had a bunch of different businesses and I liked extractive industries for whatever reason. So I, I went to work for their gold mining outfit in Reno, Nevada. And that's where I started with FMC. And, uh, you know, my job was to take their overvalued stock and buy some small assets with it. And I did that. And 18 months later, it was time to move on. So I put my you know, hat in the ring for a job at their lithium business. And I'd done some research on lithium and I, I found it to be interesting because it was involved. It was, you know, the, the genesis of the lithium industry was to get the trigger for the hydrogen bomb. And so that interested me and uh, I wanted to stay in a small town. So I moved from Reno to Gastonia, North Carolina, which defines small Southern town and being a Yankee that, was quite interesting too, especially being a Catholic Yankee in a small Southern town was, uh, was quite interesting. But I was in finance then. I was running their finance department. And after 18 months, I said, I'm going to go brain dead here. So I talked to the guy, new guy running the place and said, I'd really like a commercial job. And HR had said, the hell you say, you know, you're not a chemical engineer. And I said, well, I'm a relatively bright human being and the chemical engineers aren't really very good at selling this stuff. They get all hooked on the chemistry, not on the economic value of what we're doing. That was my pitch. The guy bought it and I just happened to hit <laughs> the commercial world at the right time. The lithium ion battery was just coming into the market. I made my first trip to Japan. Our product had been picked by Sony. And uh, it went from there. I mean, I, I started going to Japan every six weeks. After five years of doing that, they said, why don't you just move over there? So I moved my family over to Japan in the beginning of 2000, spent five years there. Then they said, why don't you move to China? And I said, okay. And so we moved to China. So my kids grew up and spent 11 years in Asia. And uh, that is why I know all the lithium players, though. It, it, it's, you know, I got to meet the cathode makers. I actually ran a, a cathode joint venture myself. And then as China was emerging, the guys who started Gangpin were billionaires now were very good friends of mine. And I helped them get going by doing deals with them based on my role at, at FMC, now live and at the time. And, and I know the guy who started TNC pretty well. So it's a good... It was a good launching pad to get out of corporate life and do something else because there aren't many people that know much about lithium. That, well, that, that's not, well, that's true because there's, it's a small space still. Uh, there's not I, that many players. Um, obviously, you know, it occasionally, the, the, the spotlight is shone upon them occasionally, as you say, like three years ago, market was good, then not so good. And Tesla, you know, making their noises with Piedmont, you know, a few weeks ago. Sure. Um, but I want, to, I want to kind of stick with the kind of history of you know, getting to where you are, because I want to know the man, okay? So, you know, we had a great chat before the uh, cameras turned on, but um, so you've bounced around Asia, which was obviously the, you know, the driver, it seems, for, you know, um, battery metals at the moment. Um, what, do you, what, do you think, what are you doing today? I mean, is it kind of like advisory roles? You know, you're working with different companies at the moment. I mean, how do you make your living today based on all that I've information? Of, I've done a lot of different things. I mean, for example, when in Toyota Susho, it was investing in Oracobre. My former JV partner in Japan was asked to get Toyota Susho a lithium expert. And uh, so I 
basically taught them the basics of the industry for three years until the thing started up. And I've advised Gangfin uh, for, for many years. Uh, actually, uh, Lithium Americas, I have a relationship with, they asked me to help them raise money for Kachari. Uh, I did, I, I introduced them to Gangfin and was in the middle of raising $272 million for them. And I had originally turned them down because I said, I don't do that. That's not what I do. I'm not a, I'm not a fundraising guy. And, uh, you know, you, you, you do what you do. And then CATL, who you've probably heard of, came to me in 2016 and asked me to help them put together a lithium strategy. So I advised them for a while. And, you know, I've advised cathode companies, governments. Uh, I was asked at one point by uh, the government of Western Australia to help them with uh, a royalty regime and in, in, in the paperwork was to, to do that was so thick. I said, no, thanks. Plus it'll piss everybody off. If I, uh, <laughs> if I'm out helping to raise the taxes on lithium producers. So, uh, I, I declined that role, but I, I do a lot of that. And then I do a lot of one-off, you know, one, a very large industrial company that has a significant lithium demand. And I, and I can't say who they are, uh, they wanted to stress test their lithium strategy. So, uh, you know, they, they hired me and that's, that's the kind of stuff I do. Okay. Okay. So I just want to be able to say, you know, what, what, why are you qualified to talk to us about lithium today? I think we can tick the box. Okay. So, um, given all of that, what do you think the state of play is like for lithium today? What, how healthy is the market today? We have n never seen a time when, uh, it was more confused when you have you can make a case for any theory right now and have data to back it up if you're morgan stanley and say this is a commodity and it's just supply demand you just look at the china spot price and say hey when in oral cobra backs you up because their last quarterly quoted price or their realized price was like 39.13 or, or something that's, i think that's exactly right but and you can take my case which is Battery quality lithium is going to be in short supply very soon because the brine producers and the hard rock producers, and we should get into that, they haven't cracked the code on how to make all battery quality. And it never mattered for the first 15 years of the battery industry when the battery demand was less than 50% of lithium output. Didn't matter. You could lot select. The brine guys all had to lot select but all the growth going forward is going to be battery. So we, we've got a world now where by my numbers last year was about 60% battery demand. It's probably going to 90 or 95 by 2025, just on e-mobility and energy storage system growth. And in that world, everybody has a tougher time and you're going to have a, a whole new industry. You can call it the lithium cleaners, if you will, but there's a lot of lithium that's going to have to be upgraded. And that's going to use capacity too. So there's going to be a double whammy on capacity shortage uh, very soon. And, I, and I, I don't know because in a COVID world, I would have told you 20, before the end of 2021, if we'd have had this conversation in January, it might be 2022 now. But when there's a shortage and it happens, then it'll be just like 2015, 2016, the spot price in China will become the highest price not the lowest. 
and you will gradually see the tier ones go from, I mean, right now in Korea and Japan, they're still paying around 10,000 plus or minus for battery quality lithium carbonate, a little more for hydroxide. And when the shortage comes because they have contracts and relationships, those prices will migrate north, but more slowly. But the spot price, I sold a little under 1% of the market in 2016 myself, and my price was $28,650. And don't ask me how I, I just kept that price. I, I, you know, somebody paid it and I said, okay, that's good. I'm just going to keep it. And, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, nobody believed it would, could happen in 2015. If you just talked to somebody in June and say, you know, next year at this time, you're going to be close to 30,000 a ton. They would have just carted you away. But that is in fact what happened and it's going to happen again. And it's going to last a lot longer this time. Why'd you say and that? The reason, well, the reason is, is because of things like what Elon Musk did at battery day, um, make this case that lithium's easy. I'm just going to take a little thing, a salt shaker, a Morton's and some clay and presto changeo. That hurts investment in lithium projects. And we haven't seen the kind of investment you're going to need. Last time when there was a shortage, EV penetration was 1%. Can I, let me talk to you a bit about Tesla Day? And I did want to talk about it later on, but we're talking about it now. So let's go for it. Um, you know, the whole two minute segue of just add some salt, bit of water, lithium clay, problem solved. Gang fang, that's how it's done. That's what we heard, right? Um, the reality, I suspect, will be something different or perhaps it was a distraction. What's your opinion on, on, on that kind of role play thing that they did? There was, a lot of, there was a lot of good things about Battery Day. The lithium discussion was not one of them. And it turned into kind of a, a frat party at that. I expected to see some red cups and a lot more horn honking in the parking lot. It's like, you know, go Tesla. It, I think he did the industry and himself a disservice because it just, he, in 2015, I used to give what I called the lithium awards and I gave him the Mark Twain award in 2015. He was number five. He got the lift for saying lithium is sold on the salad. And I said, you know, you can say the battery should be called nickel cobalt, but now he's using LFP too. There's no nickel in, or cobalt in an LFP battery but you can't make any of those batteries without lithium. And, and he can say it's easy. He can try to diminish the importance, but why does he do that? I, I, I don't, I don't understand why he does it because this was similar to when he tried to buy symbol materials and I was an advisor to symbol materials and he got very petulant after the, the VCs that were involved took his $325 million offer and said, nah, pay us 1.6 billion. And his offer was fair in my opinion, uh, uh, that's an aside. But then within the next year, he, he does agreements with Pure Energy and Bacchanora and they still haven't delivered any commercial lithium. But it seemed then and it seems now he's trying to send a message to the lithium industry and if I could speak for the lithium industry to Elon Musk, I would say, Elon, you need us more than we need you. Because Tesla's A story, it's a big story. It's an important story, but it isn't the only story. Because this, this, this whole transition isn't about just EVs. It's about e-mobility. 
And if you go to India, you're not going to have a bunch of Teslas. You're going to have a bunch of three-wheelers and two-wheelers, and they're going to be lithium in the future too. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's kind of interesting to me because I think, you know, obviously you've got people who are very pro-Elon and some who are, who are against him, and you know, that's the way it always is in the world of investing. But it struck me that, you know, when we were talking to companies prior to Battery Day, there were a lot of them who were, you know, advanced, whether they be brine or hard rock or, or, or clays, that were just struggling to get finance for simple things like pilot plants, trying to get finance, you know, trying to get off the back of their BFSs, trying to get finance for, you know, their, their, their CapEx. And because the market wasn't listening to, to them, because there's also this narrative going on. I think that you mentioned one of the banks earlier who said, well, you know, the big boys will just turn the taps back on and they will get all the supply we need because it's, it's bountiful. And Elon said that. It's everywhere. But that is no, that, does, that does damage the industry, but it damages the ability to get financed as well. So shouldn't he be working more hand in hand, given what you've just said, that you need, he needs you more than you need so. them? But, you know, having, knowing people inside Tesla and knowing people inside the lithium companies that Tesla's talking to, Tesla's pretty much talk to everybody and tesla wants unreasonable deals in many cases and you know live the dream what's that what's the what's that mean unreasonable because they've done he's done the same thing in nickel well, uh, let me go let me go back to 2014 and uh, you know i picked jb straubel up and some of the other guys and i can't remember if kurt kelby came in with him or not but anyway uh we had you know the top top guys except for elon in a in a little shack near the Salton Sea when he had made the, you know, he was looking at it. It was a pre-offer, but he was looking at symbol. And they came in and said, like, we need $3,500 a ton lithium hydroxide. Now, nobody's cash cost was anywhere near that at the time. And it still isn't. But it was just, well, you have to do first principles. You know, you guys are mired in uh, the old minings. You need, you need to be like us, yada, yada, yada. And and I don't feel like, like for example, J.B. Strubble, I don't think he was, he wasn't arrogant about it at all. And he wasn't the one saying it either, but it was this whole kind of puff out our chest. You know, you need to get, you need to get where you, where we are, you know, we're, we're changing the world. And the, the real irony of that discussion in those days was that Symbol was trying to do something that had never been done. <laughs> they were actually trying to do new technology, geo, you know, lithium from geothermal. And, uh, you know, the guy who was who had brought me into it had actually invented uh, has a patents on live ends extraction technology in Argentina. And it just it just that was my first kind of go around that. And, you know, I was back in Fremont in 2015 and with another company <laughs> that was trying to supply. And it was the same kind of discussion. Oh, you got to go to first principles. You know, it just hasn't been enough innovation, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, making chemicals isn't software. <laughs> you know, there's a lot there's a lot more to it than, you know, a, a smart 15 year old doing an app and making a billion dollars. It's, uh, you know, we. You got to get permits. You've you've got energy requirements. You got your oftentimes your assets are in inhospitable places. It just isn't that easy. So you, you, you just add salt. Just add salt. Yeah. It's that's what happens. Well, and the irony of that is that's been tried. 
Right. I mean, he, he said he didn't, to his knowledge, nobody had done it. People have done that process in China, not with clay, with lipidolite. And it can be done. But, but it's just like you can get lithium. You can get lithium from the ocean too. Pacific lithium proved that 25 years ago. It just costs so much. You, you know, you, I know, it's I know. not going to lower your dollars per kilowatt hour. Okay, but, but sorry, I, I, I'll, I'll be more serious. Um, but his, his suggestion. No need uh, to be serious. <laughs> oh, is you know, back to first principles. It's great saying that, and obviously the difficulty of doing that because you know chemicals aren't easy. I, I, I buy that, but. Should they be working with mining? Because we've we've had a discussion around nickel, okay, and we've had a discussion around copper, and it's the same conversation effectively, where they have they have changed and re, you know re, revolutionised in, in the manufacturing process in a way. They've sped things up, lowered costs. They continue to drive costs down, but you know they can't keep demanding something that's impossible unless they help the industry. At the moment, it seems to be taunting. Is that is that what you're feeling? Well, it was, it was, yeah, it was interesting because I actually went back to Tesla after that Symbol deal fell through when I was still advising Symbol, which no longer exists. And it's, you know, it's been bankrupt and bought for nothing for, by somebody else. But I went back and said, look, all we need to get financed is a kind word from Tesla, maybe a little contract and you know, I was told I I, rem, I was I was on, in the car on the phone, and the guy says, "Well, we just don't do that." And then I think it was a week later they announced the Pure Energy deal, which was a joke. Anybody involved knew that that in in the industry. I mean, that's the other problem. I mean, there's only a there's not that many people around the world who really understand what it takes to bring lithium to market. T- tell me, tell me about that, because again, it's something we see a lot where you know deals happen, the market goes nuts. Doesn't matter, not just lithium. I'm talking about other commodities, and the inside, the, the market, the insiders in that vertical are going, that'll never work. Not out of jealousy, but because, but then we know that won't work. I mean, you. So tell us about the 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 that, that deal. Why why were you guys going? No, that's well. Silly. First of all, it's you know you you you've asked other guests about direct lithium extraction, and and that that would have required. And this was five years ago. It would have required a real working direct lithium extraction process. And you know, at the time, price was so low that even if they had DLE, it wouldn't have been economic. I mean, this is this is another story that, that the battery guys have to get used to, is if you're going to take the market to three terawatt hours just for Tesla in 2030, you're going to have to bring on all sorts of marginal assets where the cost curve is only going north. And, you know, you can say, well, if we go to first principles and get a lot of salt, <laughs> we can probably crack the nut. But I promise you the table salt solution is not going to be what changes the game. Right. OK, so let's I'm just again for this is a show for retail investors. So I want to kind of keep it keep it simple initially. Let's get the macro sort out. So you've, I'm a simple guy. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, is, you know, looking at the macro thesis, you, you're going right. Battery grade lithium is required. We pr- don't have enough of it. We're going to have to find new ways of uh, producing it um, to you know fulfill the demand that's coming down the line. Okay, so we're all on the same page there. So where do you look first? Because if I'm an investor, I'm going. I'm hearing story. There are people who are pro lithium, pro hard rock, pro um, clays. It, 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 
Uh, sorry, Brian's, I meant. Sorry, Brian's Hard Rock and Clay's. Everyone's got their own favorite. I mean, where do you sit? Or do you think it's all of the above? I love all my children. Really? I don't have a favorite. <laughs> Both of them. Um, I, I've said this many times and been criticized by even some people that have been on this show, that the world will maintain a relative balance between brine, hard rock, and then later on sedimentary, which is what I call clay because a volcanologist named Tom Benson told me I should be doing that. It was more proper. And he's got a, he's got degrees from Stanford, MIT, and some other highfalutin school. So I, I, I follow orders. So shout out to you, Tom. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna see in the, in the future, cause let's just look at the cost curve for a sec. And this is where, this is the, the genesis of that whole argument. The lowest cost hydroxide right now is produced from raw material that comes from the green bushes mine, which is the creme de la creme of hard rock in Western Australia. So Abomar and Chanchi own it. So de facto with, they transfer, you know, the way they the way they operate that JV, they transfer it to uh, themselves on a pro rata basis and uh, a little bit of oversimplification. But their cash cost is the lowest cash cost for lithium hydroxide. Ergo, the, the Western Australians like to say, well, hard rock is lower cost. Well, it's the lowest cost. But if I was going to sidle somebody up next door on the cost curve, it wouldn't be the next hard rock guy. It would be my former employer, Livent, who produces lithium carbonate, then lithium hydroxide. But if you look at where they sit on the carbonate cost curve and what the conversion cost is, the cost curve is mixed by project. So you can't make the sweeping assumption that just because the lowest hard rock guy is the lowest cost guy that the next lowest cost hard rock guy and and you know the the whole narrative on ESG and that it's more sustainable that's nonsense too <laughs> let's just put it out there because if you start doing the carbon footprint on mining in WA and loading it up in a boat and taking it to the coast of China and moving it inland and converting it and then shipping it out and do a do a real honest carbon footprint. It's you know I I'd say I'd like to see the you know life cycle analysis studies of that because you can you can pretty much get qual what's called qualified people to sign off on anything. I mean the next thing I know that donuts will be the the best route to uh, low cost lithium chemicals. I mean I've seen PFS and DFS none of them qualify for the nonfiction list on the New York Times. I mean, if you go, if you, and, and this is what we were talking about before we started, that that's what I learned when I got into the kind of junior world is there's a lot of smarmy juniors out there and you, you can get everybody that hasn't been, hasn't produced commercially is on the low end of the cost curve. It's only after <laughs> they come into production that the, uh, it's, it's interesting. So we, we were talking um, to one of our guests this morning. Um, a guy helps us with the uranium, uh, uranium series. I say helps us. He, he is the uranium series. This guy called Brandon Monroe, very smart guy. Um, and we were talking about some analysis that was done um, by the Canadian Se uh, Securities Association on presentations from companies, right? And out of 150 presentations, only I think it was only 18% actually met the qualification of uh, you know 
uh, I've forgotten how they, they, they qualified, but it's 18% had no serious or major missed. And it was in a relevant range. Of yeah. Things. You know, and I say, and by that, I mean, I you used know, to do, I used to do capital audits in my old book. Right. So it's kind of, I, I, I wanted to get the phrase right. It clearly fails, but they were saying, you know, companies overstate the significance of what they've got, especially in their case, they were saying out of the 170 uranium companies currently, only 22 kind of fell within their guidelines of, 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 of meeting what would be um, an economic mine, despite what the companies say. So I, I get what you're saying here in the, in the world of lithium, you know, miners generally that people do overpromote and overstate a lot. Um, but, but sort of coming back to, you know, where, you, where you're looking, you love all your children, great. But I, the, the, the industry needs all the hard rock that WA can produce. Right. The industry needs all the brine South America can produce. And then you have to look to, you know, take a standard lithium who has an interesting project using a bromine stream. And that's, in my mind, probably going to be, and I have no financial relationship with standard lithium. So all you haters don't need to, you know, put anything on my tweets. Uh, you, you see standard and it's just a unique situation and they're partway there and they're not out overselling it and their partner. And this is the other point I would make is if you're investing, you want to see companies with solid partners. You have Lanxis. Lanxis is a big German chemical company. That's their bromine operation. And they, they can, they have a lot of chemical skills to bring to bear. I mean, a junior, Hiring the kind of people you need on these projects is it's not cheap and there is there's a dearth of talent. So talent for the lithium industry has to be grown. I mean, people can say, well, that's simple acid based chemistry. But I think the last 10 years of projects has proven it's not that easy. And so I, it's the same thing with the Lithium Americas. They got Gangfen as a partner and, and that helps. Uh, and as you go forward, I think that's that's going to be a bit of the model is that uh, if you're a junior, you, you better find either a deep pocketed, <laughs> a battery company that has patience in deep pockets or a cathode maker. Well, cathode makers tend not to have deep pockets. But uh, doesn't it come back? So, to, doesn't it come back to the, the, the problem I stated earlier, which you know we, we we've been seeing when we've been talking to these companies? It's like how do you get funded for the next stage of development? So if they haven't got their significant strategic partner, not, not even saying investment partner, I'm just saying partner who may be able to help them technically or through distribution or, 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 or in ways other than just pure cash. Um, if I'm a bank, you know, if in my, in my days as a banker, I would want to know that the company was technically capable of delivering what they say, because all too many companies, especially with the more you know, gold, silver, easy, copper, easy, right? But when it's slightly more technical, like a uranium or a lithium, and you've got this, there's a big part of the cost here is process. You've got to have the technical partners on board. And, you know, and I think, you know, we've had some people on here talking about gang fang and saying, you know, they, they've been able to solve problems that others haven't. And they're more investable than if, if they're in a company, those companies are more investable than, than others. Perhaps I've got those partners in place. I mean, you're, you're pretty much saying the same thing, aren't you? I'm saying I'm saying that, but I'm also would nuance it a little more than that, because if you take, for example, Americas, they have a team that has done it someplace else at a bigger company. And you don't find there aren't that many people out there that have experience. But 
WAC CEO John Evans ran what's now Livent. Uh, Rene LeBlanc worked for them for years. And when I used to sell to Tesla supply chain, he was the technical guy who filled in all the gaps that I wasn't capable of filling in on the, on the technology. He went to work for Tesla. And I mean, Tesla's got, Tesla's got some alumni out there because Tesla's not really a happy place to work from my understanding, given the, the, the turnover they have. So you don't see many juniors that have, they might have lifetime minors, but it really helps to have lithium experience. No, I, I, can def- I can definitely see that. But right, so I'm an investor. I'm like, where do I look first? We're saying all of, you'll have all your children, all of the above are going to be needed, but there's a priority, right? Some are ahead of others. And, and given that you're saying it's not necessarily hard rock or it's not necessarily brines or it's not necessarily clays in any particular order, you've told me you need technical competence or a partner with technical competence. What else should I be looking for? I, well, I think the, the first fundamental is the asset has to be at least mediocre. At least mediocre. Okay. I mean, ideally, ideally, you'd want a great asset. But the, the honest truth is when you look out five to seven years, you're going to have to have a lot of mediocre assets come into production or you're not going to have a e-transportation revolution. That's why I say in the end, you can you can say all you want to about the short-term oversupply, especially aspogamine, that's a noise. Because if you take the big picture and you look at, have the three terawatts for Tesla, three terawatts is eight times 2019 global supply. And he's talking about that for just him. Now his, his competitors aren't sleeping. Sometimes it may appear they're sleeping, but uh, I, I do believe that there will be a significant uh, competition to Tesla before too long. And I know all the Tesla people say, oh, they're, they're too far ahead. But, you know, people thought Nokia was too far ahead with cell phones in 2000. And where are they today? Yeah, nowhere. Yes. Gosh, I do remember them fondly. Um, so if I'm looking at the, the world of lithium at the moment, you, you, you said earlier to me, you know, Tesla's not the only game in town. There's going to be all these other use cases, uh, especially in in, in Asia. Um, you know, and we and we talked on this show variously about the Chinese or Asian ecosystem, the European ecosystem, the U.S. ecosystem, and they're all and we're getting all critical mineral lists being issued by every country. Can I talk to you about Europe? Okay, because Europe, it seems, sure. is. It, you know, it's got some significant auto money, automotive manufacturers in there. Uh, not a lot of its own supply, right? There's a few names, a few mines we, around. We, we would have to call that supply for this supply chain for lithium zero. Is zero. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's interesting, right? So that's interesting because we've spoken to a few. Yeah, it's, it, it, at this point, it's binary. It, it's kind of binary. Yes, it's a lot of zeros, not a lot of ones. Um, but the... But it's kind of interesting to me because there are names, there are players, various, lith- li- well, battery uh, commodity miners, which, or metal miners, who we've spoken to, and they're, they're, they're making some big, big claims. You know, we've seen it across the board in Europe, but, you know, whether it be historical mines, they're going to be brought back into production, or countries which uh, claim that they're going to be, you know, major manufacturers. But we're seeing lots of problems, and the problems are because Europe's quite densely populated. We're seeing problems on the ground with the locals. We're seeing permitting and licensing issues. You know, I mean, there's a kind of long list of train wrecks on the side of the road or car wrecks on the side well, of the road. Not, it's not in my backyard. 
Right. I want I want green energy and I I want local supply, but I don't want that mine within 20 miles of my house. Right. And, and you're you're seeing it in projects that are they're trying to get approved now, and you're also the the real another real issue I've based this on conversations with potential investors in a big way in in the battery metal space is that I, I talked to some Norwegians not three weeks ago I guess and their battery plan is 32 gigawatts and we're not I'm not talking about Northvolt but they want sustainable they want they don't want to have to deal with tailings. I mean, it's like we want the plant in Norway. We don't want tailings. We want it all to be from solar or whatever. And it's like, you know, I want a pony in my office too, but it's probably not going to happen next week. Right. Um, but but what, what, what are you saying? You're saying, oh, there's some sort of a dystopian Mad Max scenario where people have got to get used to this stuff and you better get used to it real quick because we're running, we're going to run out of it. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. I'm saying there, there's enough lithium. If you had a Manhattan project, sorry to use an American analogy on your UK show, but if you had that kind of mindset, then lithium wouldn't be a problem in five to seven years. But you don't have that attitude now. And, you know, I was looking at some big dollar research this morning, you know, one of the top funds. And they're saying EV penetration is 13% in 2025. And I'm saying it can't be, it can't be. There's, it's too late. If you're talking about a pure electric vehicle and you're talking about, let's just give it a 50 kilowatt hour battery. Well, just do the math. There, even if you could use all the garbage lithium that's currently being produced, that wouldn't happen. So, People need to get real. And the reason I say I love all my children is because honestly, you know, people people gig me for not supporting their projects, but I say, it doesn't matter what I say, because in this world with this kind of demand, all your crappy projects are gonna have to be invested in at some point. But I focus on the best. Yeah, because but, but I'm older but, and I don't have that much time left. Well, but, this, but neither do investors, right? So, you know, at some, at some point, they're all going to be valuable, right? It is going to be Mad Max uh, in that sense. But right now, investors want to make as quick a return as possible. So we're looking for the best projects. And if I'm looking at Europe, we see a few names. We see a few players. They're all small. There's nothing big in there. Um, and it's a question of, can they ever get into production? Will they be allowed to ever even, you know, will they get the permits to be, be attempt to get into production? Can they get into economic production? And by your, and at some point, you know, if the, if the price is high enough, yeah, it'll be economic. But when is important because I want to make the best investments today. Because like you, I don't have long left. I need to do it now. So are you looking at Europe and saying, hey, that's where I should be putting my money for, for battery metals? Or are you looking elsewhere? Not that you're I a tipster. Your, I actually spend, I'm advising some people in Europe right now, and there's different models. I mean, I'm not advising Vulcan, but, you know, Vulcan has the geothermal model. And that that may happen at some point. I mean, I, I, I'm not somebody saying this can never happen. I believe direct lithium extraction will will happen. I I take issue with Livevent suddenly 20 years later calling what they do direct lithium extraction. But hey, to each his own. The standard, standard lithium, I think, is a big deal because it proves that, okay, we can do this. You don't need ponds. 
you get it right, but that's a special situation. Every one of these projects is going to require a tweaking and that skill set. We need to see we need to see one DLE commercial and then it replicated. And then it's that opens up a lot of brine where there's not the proper evaporation characteristics. Right. Okay. Which is not not insignificant. Uh, so the other the other point, say Qinghai province, China. I don't know if you they have brine in China. It's just garbagey brine. And you know, I first went there in 2002, and they've probably put almost two billion dollars in those projects now, and they produce a very low quality product. And in some cases, they have spent enough money where they're producing a marginal product that can be used in the very low end of LFP batteries. Otherwise, the stuff needs to get clean cleaned up. So that's that's another is is Europe going to invest in that too? And then let's you know get into recycling. Europe could be a pioneer in urban mining, and that makes more sense. Yeah, no, we're we're, we're talking about the company called Neo Metals. Actually, uh, I saw you with a, a, a Neo Metals shirt on. I love Chris, man. I mean, it's it's a good Chris guy. Is, He's a great guy. I just had him on my podcast. I think it's episode seventy eight, and I think he's one of the best minds in the in the broader space. They make a nice golf shirt too. <laughs> Not a mug, okay. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. We're um, on. We 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 actually do have a merchandise store on our website. You're you're quite welcome to pick up some items, and I'll send <laughs> I'll send you something. Um, <laughs> but but you know the the, the neo metals. I mean that whole urban recycling thing. I think is quite important. People shouldn't forget it. I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about the Teslas. They're going to do it themselves, right? They they want to take control of of that. Um, they, they've talked about amongst other well, things. They, they say. They, they say, say is, right. Or is- or is, or is JB going to take control of it for him? Who knows? I mean, he's got, you know, Redwood and, you know, there's there's a lot happening in that space, but a lot needs to. Yeah. But I would I would also say that anybody who thinks that 25 years from now, they're, they're not going to need regular lithium mining or chemicals yeah. is wrong. Because mm-hmm. honestly, if you look at the processes and you listen to the Chris Reed podcast, Lithium is the least valuable element there, mm. at least now. And it's the like one most likely to be just be marginalized or not produced as something you can reuse and then have to be further processed. Yeah. So it's it's complicated. So, OK, I, I'm not quite sure how Europe cracks the code because they're, they're talking about putting, you know, billions of, uh, of euros up to create their own um, ecosystem to they're, they're talking about fun, funding companies to allow them to you know, keep keep it keep it all in house, as it were. But if they can't get the basics, the fundamentals, the way that they want them, they want them, you know, clean, no tailings, no, you know, no this, no that, not in my backyard, all the rest of it. How do they solve that problem? And does that put them at a disadvantage to the you know Chinese market, Chinese producers? Well, I, I think first of all that that Europe is really going to have to go interdependent. I think initially for the for the first five or six years of a real build out, they'll get some raw material from China and they'll get they'll get some from WA or maybe even Quebec. That that might be the <laughs> the tipping point to get one of those mines actually operating. But they do want it. They do want to do the conversion. But the interesting thing about when you talk to different people contemplating projects. There's a belief by many in Europe that we need to make carbonate first and make the hydroxide 
from carbonate because it will be better quality. And so that also plays into this whole, you know, hydroxides in my mind, last year it was about in my count 23% versus carbonate. And I, I see it going to almost parity, but I don't, you know, there's some people that said 80% hydroxide in 2025, and that's just fatuous nonsense. Uh, it's not, it's not going to happen. It can happen actually. So, so, okay. Well, some pretty big, I mean, that, that suggests there's some pretty big fundamental change of, of logic change of, uh, investing, um, thesis, you know, to be inter, 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 interdependent on other countries outside of your own ecosystem because the u.s are trying they're, they're closing up shop right you got you guys are going america first we're gonna just lock down everything we can do but we're gonna look after ourselves right but that's not the you way must watch the, you must watch cnn i'm, I'm, I'm just looking i'm just looking at, I, I i don't actually um but i um it, thank you I, I thank you for that i i know but i, I do speak to a lot I watch of the bbc do, do, <laughs> yeah okay the, the oh, no it's it's bad too and you know i mean the Anyway, anyway, let's let's not let's not get let's not get political here. Um, but you know, we do. I do speak to a lot of people every day, and you know, and they're from all around the world, including a lot of Americans. You know, m most weeks I'm speaking to several Americans, and they sort of do different views of what's going on over there. It's very polarizing your politics at the moment, for sure. But when I talk about the business of mining, you know, you it's a little bit protectionist at the moment because you guys are sort of getting a bit nervous about some. You know access here. We just had the uranium, for instance. You you know you got rid of your, the Russian suspension agreement, for instance. Okay, you've just put out your critical minerals list, thirty-seven minerals on there. It's. I think that's a bit. I mean, I agree with you, but this isn't new. If you go back to the Obama administration, if you wanted to have a Chinese company develop a lithium mine in America, that wouldn't have happened under Obama because the DOD kind of weighs in. And so everybody that thinks if Biden gets elected, it's, it's things are gonna change that way, don't hold your breath. This is not a Trump driven, you know, all the noise about, you know, the, the China trade war, okay. But with respect to critical materials and especially if, even if they're, even if their defense applications are a tiny amount, there's a security supply concern, and, and that that will be paid attention to. Uh, I I firmly believe that. No, I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it a, a you know the Republicans would do this, the, the Democrats would do that. But I I think it's that point at which you know technology is evolving, and there's the need there's a need for all of these materials, and you want to be you want to have security of source, you want to you know security. Uh, you know, with you know significant vo volume of demand coming down down the road to be able to say we're going to be able to meet our own needs here. So we've got things like you know Section Two Three Twos cropping up for we've just had it for with uranium, we've got it with vanadium. There's there is a kind of new language being used, not just by the Americans actually. You know, Europe, but UK, have, most countries put out a critical minerals list, right? But because of that kind of slight. Na national interest component to this, it's going to get tougher to secure these supplies. And we're starting to see a few countries like the US have just, the US government, right, has just put up some money for a nickel supply in Brazil. The, US, the UK government has done the same in the UK in a deal with Rolls-Royce. So 
you got governments kind of stepping in here. In yeah, in my mind, if you, if you take it back to lithium, I I just wave my hand at anything they've done up till now. Until they're until the Department of Energy is authorized to subsidize loans to to actually do something to to get the ball rolling. I mean, you can hardly blame China for being far-sighted and saying, "Hey guys, we need to go around the world and pick up these assets." I mean, you know, America can say, "Well, we we want to let the markets work," but you know, the markets don't always work in time, and we need to see some action. But you can say the same thing about the OEMs. I mean, Volkswagen had the lithium inquisition a few years ago and it didn't work. And, you know, they, they tout their contract with Gangfen. Well, everybody's got a contract with Gangfen and Gangfen's only going to have 80,000 tons of hydroxide capacity next year. And they won't give any more than 20% of it to any one company. So start doing the math on that when you see, oh, we're going to have 25 fully electric models in 2020, whatever. Uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work out. I mean, the top four lithium companies had 75% of the market roughly last year, and they have to perform better than they've ever performed to even stay, get supply to the, say, the 700,000 ton range. And, the, and they won't. I mean, if you look at the abysmal record of expansion of SQM and Abelmarle, you know, you know, Abelmarle's big deals have been acquisition. They bought into green bushes. They couldn't make a reasonable hydroxide product at any scale themselves. So they went to China and bought an asset there. And so, you know, these are the, these are the biggest lithium companies. And if they're not performing well. Um, but that's the point. Okay. That's my point at the moment. So, you know, why should, yeah. like, I'm an excellent investment banker, right? I've been looking at this market. One, it's really small. So I don't know if I could be bothered getting out of bed, right? Two, it's it seems like, you know, if you with the, with the supply side of things and understand what you're saying about, you know, um, battery grade, hydroxide, et cetera, I, I kind of know where I should be focused, but there's a lot of competition um, in, in there. And the guys who can do it, they've got, they've got a lot of money. Um, but me coming back to me as an investor, it's confusing. It's a really confusing environment because you said to me at the near the beginning, if you've got a strategic partner, technical partner, that's really good. Thumbs up. But Gangfeng have laid a lot of bets here. They've laid a lot of bets for stuff which they fulfills today's needs. And they're just kind of checking out. They've got a, you know, we've talked to a few companies who've got Gangfeng in there. And it's like, but it's kind of like a Newmont or a Kin, uh, Kinross coming in and saying, I'll, I'll take an option on year one here. Like 15, 15 million in Bacchanora was an option. It wasn't a serious investment. I mean, you can kid yourself all you want. And, and Gangfan's ambitious. I have presentations they made to me in 2003 and 2005 when I was the grand poobah because I was the guy living in China working for a big three lithium company. Well, we see how things have changed. Now they're they're the big dog, but they, you know, they're you've watched their scope of ambition change. They went from, I, I literally have a, a very it wasn't spell checked a PowerPoint presentation they they made and it says you know we want to be long term a strong regional player in the downstream. They they started off making metal and butyl lithium, and I watched that gravitate. And the day I introduced them to Lithium Americas, 
the first thing I said, the first question you need to ask them is what's your scope of ambition? And they kind of smiled and, you know, it was, we want to be number one, period. Yeah. So you've watched that change. You don't, you don't see that happening with an Albemarle or with a live event. It's quarterly earnings and, you know, couching things to the shareholders and earnings calls. And, you know, I mean, they can talk a good game. I mean, you get a consultant, you know, this is what you ought to say, but, you know, America needs, some of the American companies need to up their game significantly. I think so. And, and again, the, the learning there, you know, I mean, thanks for that. The, the learning there for me, because we, we say this in, across multiple, you know, verticals, commodities, is that just because a big player stepped in, it's nice because it suggests there's a possibility that they'll hang around and, and go through the various stages and still be there at the company in, in five years' time. Or they can bug out year after year one or year two or year three, and that company's probably at that point tells you everything you need to know about that company's asset. I, I suspect it in terms of scale, it may be an okay or small uh, operation, but that that's about it. And with Gang Fang, they are just playing these bets. You say 15 million bucks is, is nothing to them. Well, they, it's option money. Been, right. They have black stairs in Ireland. They've had that for years. They have Marianas in Salta province, Argentina. They, I mean, it's, they have a broad portfolio, but you know, they didn't have, they got to be as big as Livevent is now without owning any assets. They were buying Brian from SQM. They were buying Spodumene from whoever would sell it to them. And it would take any lithium stream byproduct of butyl lithium processes. That's why they're really good at processing because they had to deal with crap for a long, for well over a decade and make good quality battery grade chemicals out of it. That's how they learned. So that that's why I've always been a big advocate for Gangpen because they came up the hard way. They learned well. And uh, now they have money and ambition. Okay. Are any lithium producers going to get financed this side of Christmas? Or do you think the market's still just weak, too weak? I think St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> okay. March <laughs> it is. I'll call you. If my- no, I, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually serious. <laughs> right. Come I on. Think, why? I think because of the COVID and not being able to go on trips and really look at assets. I I'm dealing with multiple people that are, have the wherewithal and have businesses. I mean, if you look at, and this isn't a, a client of mine, but take a look at somebody like Johnson Matthew and they're trying to get out of one business and make a transition. And I'm saying that because I'm trying to be UK sensitive. Uh, you know, they're, they're now into battery materials. They're not into lithium, but you're going to see, redeployments of capital as people are trying to transition. It's just people keep asking me, well, why doesn't Exxon do it? Or why doesn't Shell do it? Or, because the whole lithium industry is not worth enough to move their needle. I mean, I'm a little surprised that they haven't like had a development fund or some kind of a skunk works group in their, one of their chemical subsidiaries that did something. But I mean, of course, Exxon had a hand in inventing the lithium-ion battery, and they didn't capitalize from that either. But we could go back and talk about Xerox too. But we don't need to. We don't need to go there. Okay, Joe. I, I mean, nice romp through. Just generally, we kind of kept it high level, which is nice. 
But it'd be great, you know, if you if you get time and kind of drill down on some of these things, because I think we touched upon some quite interesting pointers there. Uh, I think as investors, I know you're not a tipster, Persuade, and I know you're an advisor to a few companies in there. Um, I'd be kind of interested to kind of work out if, if, if we can suss who's going to be a winner and who's not. Yeah, sorry, prioritize who's going to be a winner because you're all going to be winners, according to you. So that's good well, news. No, wait, 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 wait. You have to execute to be a winner. I mean, you have to actually go into production. Right. What I'm saying is that everybody, even if you're, it, you know, it, your cash cost is what looks ugly now. Yeah. You, you know, you may get to go to the dance, but you still have to execute. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I don't have a magic wand that can make, you know, dogs into, uh, caviar. Um, but I would say that if, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, and I do, I advise lack, so I, full disclosure, but if you look at a junior has two assets, one in Argentina and they can't say it, but Thacker pass, there's, there's more lithium there that hasn't been looked at. I mean, in, uh, than, than Elon has in his little <laughs> his little stakeout of 10,000 acres, wherever the hell that is. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things where, I, you know, people have been short-sighted. I, and I think the best thing for me as an investor in LAC is that Tesla didn't get involved with LAC. I would have hated that. Because, there, I mean, the auto companies and, you know, Tesla isn't a traditional auto company, but they're still an auto company. They're bullies. They've always been bullies on their suppliers. And, you know, I've, I said this on another podcast recently and they bleeped it, but lithium's not going to be the auto company's bitch. I'm sorry. Well, so we can take we can take another random walk down <laughs> Mass do Street. Let's do anytime it anytime you want to. Good. I don't Perfect. know what you expected. You know, I think more data is is better, and uh, how people choose to interpret it is 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 down to them. We we would like to sort of help them identify the things that may fall over, or at least have a you know at least be aware of, of of things which may fall over, and they can make their choices depending on their risk profile. Um, exactly. And their understanding, and I, I know that's what you were about too. So no, I do appreciate you coming on, Joe. If you make predictions about this industry, or put out predictions, all you know the day after you put them out is they're wrong. You just hope they're close. And I've always said that, and I don't yeah. claim any kind of infallibility. The advantage that I have on any of these subjects is I don't have to go read the 10K. I can, and I will, and I do, but I can talk to the actual principals in the organization and people further down, you know, and that's the nice thing. I mean, I've got a lot of people in lithium companies now that follow me on social media that DM me all the time and say, yeah, you were right about that. But, yeah. or, or why don't you, why don't you ask about this? Yeah. So, and there aren't a lot of people that, that have that level of access that aren't currently working for a lithium company and would get fired if they acted on any of the information they have. Oh, well, keep it coming. Obviously, world exclusives would be appreciated. So uh, just pick up the phone, Joe, and let us know, right? <laughs> I get one of those cups and a whole new world may open up. <laughs> you got it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.